This morning I'll be reading from Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 18. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 18. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in which, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did not those great signs in in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Good morning. If you want to leave your Bible open there to Joshua chapter 24, that's going to be the context of our lesson this morning, and you can just follow along right there in the verse. You know, I just uh, went out to get a drink of water just a minute ago, and you know what? Roy wasn't kidding. I suppose if somebody wanted to be really cruel, they could open up the back doors, and I see the back doors of the fellowship hall are open, and they could put a couple of fans to blow the smell from the, uh, from the other room in here, and I imagine I'd probably get a whole lot of people going, you know, or rumbling tummies, I guess. Maybe I couldn't uh, continue, but I hope it is. You're planning to stay with us for the fellowship meal today. It's the right people. I'm convinced that there are no more loving people than God's people. It's the right price. It's free. It's the right place. You don't have to drive anywhere. I don't know about you, but sometimes you go out to eat at 11 o'clock or uh, uh, after uh, Sunday morning worship and you don't get done until 1.30 or 2 and and you get back and barely have time for your nap. We know that, (laughs) well, if you get a nap on Sunday afternoon, I guess that's something. We understand that it's an opportunity and I hope it is that you realize that even if you didn't bring food and sometimes people are uh, ashamed of that and say, you know what, I can't stay because I didn't bring anything. Folks, come anyway. You know what, I've never known a church to run out of food at a potluck, and I know that when you come to barbecue, you know, you cook a brisket or you cook some pork, and, and mankind, it, uh, it goes forever. So please, make plans to stay with us and let us uh, and enjoy one another's time and uh, fellowship, and, and we will uh, we'll have a great time together. There's a story about a man, uh, umpire by the name of Babe Pinelli. And he had just called Babe Ruth out on strikes. Oh, the crowd didn't like that. They booed their sharp disapproval over it. And Babe turned around when he heard the crowd booing, and he said to Pinelli, listen, there are 40,000 people in these stands that know that that last, uh, that last pitch was a ball, Chowderhead. And, boy, the players and the team, you know, uh, on the coaches kind of braced themselves for, for the, the inevitable injection. They thought that uh, Pinelli was going to erupt with temper. But the cool-headed babe, uh, Pinelli said, that may be true, babe. He said, but mine's is the only opinion that counts. Brothers and sisters, we use this as a springboard to talk about families today. 
Your family may be known far and wide for what it does, for who it is. Your family may be known as a successful family by the world's standards. Your family may be involved in everything under the sun. And there may be people that look at your family and say, that's a successful family. But you know what? It is what God says about our family that counts. When we look at Joshua chapter 24, you're looking at a man who's giving a farewell speech. And as he's delivering this farewell speech, he's saying a lot of the same things that Moses said some seven years before as he concluded the book of Deuteronomy. As he concluded that sermon there on that occasion, Joshua begins to talk about blessings and cursings. He begins to talk about the journey that they'd already undergone and the journey that was ahead. And he talked to them about the fact that they were now dwelling in the land that God had given them. In the book of Joshua, it is the book of conquest. And so Joshua takes these people as God's leader and he leads them through from city to city, from place to place, conquering these almost impregnable, impenetrable cities. And as he's doing this, he's leading these people by faith according to the commandment of God and he's leading them them to victory. And now here it is at the end of the book of Joshua. These people sit in a land that they didn't earn. They sit in a land that was given to them by God's grace and by his commandment. And as they sit in this land, Joshua says, listen, I want you guys to be careful. I want you to be careful because it is that there's a temptation coming. Moses spoke about it all the way back from Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he said, when you get into this land and you start to live in houses that you didn't build, and you drink from wells that you didn't dig, and you eat from vineyards that you didn't plant, be careful lest you forget the Lord. And that seems to be Joshua's message here in Joshua chapter 24. And I want to take this, this lesson and this application and talk about it in terms of our families because Joshua uses the family unit as a model for moving forward. Have you ever heard the phrase, as goes the home, what's the rest of it? So goes the nation. I believe part of the reason why it is America is in the moral decay that's in is because of the breakdown of the family. When we look at the nation of America, it is only as strong as its families. And brothers and sisters, we in the church need to be concerned about our families. We need to be aiming lessons and helping families along and helping them to, to draw together and to be stronger and as Joshua concludes this sermon in Joshua 24, verse 15, you know, I've got a, in a box somewhere, and I've got in, in my house a, a, a picture that goes right by our front door that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But we don't often think about the context in which that was said, and we don't often think about the rest of what goes around Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and that's exactly what we intend to do this morning with regard to our families. These people in the book of Joshua, even though they had followed God, the God of Israel faithfully, they still had to make a decision to follow him from this point forward. I don't know where your family stands this morning. Maybe it is that as a family, you haven't really considered seriously following the Lord God of Israel. I want you to change that today. Choose this day, Joshua would say. Because from this point forward, I want my family to be a family that follows the Lord and follows Him fully. And I hope it is that you can say that too. So it is that we as people can strengthen our families, which can strengthen the church, which can strengthen our community, and which can strengthen our nation. That's what we have a responsibility to do. And folks, if we fail with that regard, if we fail with that task, what hope does the world have? 
Consider from Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, a family's commitment to serve the Lord. Our family's commitment to serve God, understand from Joshua 24, 15, is an opportunity for us to take spiritual inventory. It's an opportunity for us to take spiritual inventory. Joshua would say at the beginning, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, does it seem evil to serve the Lord? I really want you to consider this. I really want you to think about this statement. If it seems evil to you, you know, the people had come out of Egypt, out of worshiping false gods. They worshiped them, and from the context, Joshua has to tell them, listen, put away the foreign gods which are among you. They, a lot of the Egyptian gods came with them into the land of Israel. The people whose lands they now occupy, their gods, little g, were not able to save them. And now they were going to live in their houses. Now they were going to eat their food and drink their wells and uh, dwell uh, in this land that, that was theirs previously. Joshua says, listen, if it seems evil to you, here's an opportunity for us to really think about whether or not it's worth following the God of Israel. I want you to give this thoughtfulness I want you to think seriously about this and look through if Joshua is telling you the spiritual inventory of your household to see if there's anything that would take away your focus from God. I look at myself. I look at my family. I say, you know, what is it that I, what is it that my family truly values? What does your family truly value? If I were to go in and take an inventory of your house, you never realize how much stuff you have until you move. But you understand that you, that you go through and you look at the things that are around the house and the way that your house is set up. When Jesus had those two uh, disciples following him, he turned around in John chapter 1 and said, What are you seeking? And they said, Master, where are you staying? And Jesus said, Come and see. You know what he was saying? In the ancient Near East, if you were to go into somebody's house, you would know something about them. In fact, you would know a whole lot more about them than a lot of other people. And so they were saying, Master, we want to know about you. We want to see where you're staying. Jesus said, come and see. But when we talk about going into one another's houses, and when we look at our house and our inventory, when we think about who we are, what is it that our family truly values? We've got to evaluate our purpose as a family. I appreciate businesses that have a clear mission statement. I appreciate businesses because you know and you can read on their website or on their front page or maybe uh, uh, on the wall there in the Chick-fil-A and you can see exactly why this business is set up and exactly why it is that it's, it exists to begin with. And you see whether or not easily that business is living up to why it is that it's set up or not. Folks, why is it that our family exists? Spoken or unspoken, maybe we have the goal or the inventory of our house to be that we can fit in socially. I want our kids to be well-groomed. I want them to be people who can mingle with socialites. I want them to be people that are invited to all the best parties and that drive all the best cars and wear all the best clothes and have all the best contacts and have all the best phones. And that's the reason why it is. And I want to make sure my child gets into the best university. And I want to make sure that my child gets the best job. And we look at ourselves and we say, I want the same thing for myself. And we take inventory and we say, that's why our family exists. It's God's opinion about who our family is, and it's only God's opinion that makes a difference. 
I want to be a family that excels in whatever we do. I want us to be the best at whatever it is that we do. I want to be a family that's not keeping up with the Joneses, but I want to be the family that is the Joneses. I want to be able to be the family that, that, that sets the trends and that everybody else is keeping up with. We may not say these things in so many words, but you know what? Sometimes we send the messages, and sometimes the messages speak louder than the words we say. Oh, we're a family that's devoted to God. Well, where are you going to be on Sunday night? Where are you going to be whenever worship services come around, when Bible study comes around, when those devotionals come around? Oh, we're going to be a family that's devoted to serving. Didn't we just talk about in Bible class this morning that... We can say all the right things. Faith without works is dead. We can say all the right things, but why is our family what it is? Folks, it better be that our family exists in the God's plan for families. We are servant-making machines. Our family is going to be like Jesus. Our family is committed to following Jesus and following him faithfully. We want to do that because he is the king of our lives and the king of this household. And so it is that we're going to do the things that honor him. Our family is going to be in heaven one day. That's a great goal to make for a family. We're going to be a family that pleases God. And then when I go through in my life and my family and I go through my entertainment choice and I go through the spiritual inventory of my household, what do I look at? I want to look at things that are not in accordance with that goal and that mindset, and I want to make sure that I am either minimize or get rid of those things. If I have this mission statement that we're going to be a family that honors and glorifies God here on this earth, that lives in obedience to Jesus with everything that we can be, we're going to be this type of family. What can we do to foster that? How can we strengthen that type of family? Maybe it is that we've never considered having a family time. A devotional in the evening where we can talk about the Bible, where we can sing songs together as a family and spend time in worship and in prayer. Have we ever thought about doing those things because we're a family who wants to follow Christ and be devoted to him, right? Maybe it is that we spend a, a, a family time emphasizing prayer. Okay, we're not going to leave out of this house this morning until it is that we hold hands and we say a prayer. Junior, I know that you've got that big math test coming up. We're going to pray about that this morning. Sister, I know that you got that bully that's not treating you the way that she ought to. I'm so sorry about that, and we're going to pray about that and pray for that bully. Because Jesus said would pray for your enemies, didn't he? We're going to be a family that talks about our goals and our aspirations. We're going to be a family that honors God through his son, Jesus Christ. It means we add some things that we might not have added otherwise. But you know what? There's also the taking away aspect. And the Hebrews writer say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's run the race with endurance, laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. That tells me two things. There are some things that are sinful that I need to lay aside, but there are some other things that may not necessarily be sinful that are not helping me a whole lot with regard to my commitment to Christ. If it is that we have a family that's so busy, that's moving from the time school lets out from one activity to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the point where we all collapse in bed without ever having sat down for a meal or having sat down and spent time together in prayer and in worship together. Maybe it is that there are some things that we better not be involved with. <gasps> yes, I said it. 
Maybe there's some things we should say no to because when I take spiritual inventory, they're keeping me from serving Christ the way that I ought to and keeping our family from doing that. We need to look at our priorities and we need to look at them thoughtfully. Joshua 24, verse 15, look back at the text. Our family's commitment to serve God is something that's needed today. If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. There is urgency in this choice. Choose you this day. This is a day of reckoning. This is a day where you need to leave out of here and you need to have made this choice. There's urgency in this decision. As Joshua again points to where they are, they're dwelling in the land God's promised. He says, but before we say amen and head our separate ways, before we do anything else that pertains to this life, let's make this choice. Let's nail it down. Let's say this was the moment that we said as a family, we're going to serve God and serve him faithfully. The danger Joshua is addressing is the lack of making a commitment, the lack of choice. To choose, or excuse me, to not choose is to make a choice. You understand that? To not choose is to make a choice. As Elijah stood there with the 400 prophets of Baal, and they're standing there on Mount, uh, Mount Carmel, and Elijah looks at the people, and they've been serving uh, Baal for a long time, and Elijah says, listen, if God today is God, serve him. If Baal is God, you serve him. People stood there. Answered him not a word. They didn't want to make a choice. But to not make a choice is to make a choice. Understand that to choose and not follow is to make a choice. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1 verse 22. I can say, yes, my family, our family is going to be devoted to God. Yes, we're going to spend more time in devotion and prayer and, and worship together as a family. Yes, we're going to rightly uh, place our priorities right exactly where they need to be. And if I go out of here and if I continue living the way that we've been living without any substantial change, we've made a choice. We've made a choice. There's urgency to do this, but sometimes we find ourselves waiting, saying, well, I'm, I'm going to wait till something else happens. You know what? Uh, I want to get my life right with God. I'm going to get back in church one day, but not today. I, I'm going to wait till my finances even out just a little bit. I know that I'm working double shifts. I know that I hardly have any time for my family. I know that I'm, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And just as soon as all these problems smooth out, I'll get my priorities right. Then I'll make that choice to serve God and, and to follow him fully. There's urgency in doing this. And we understand that urgency with regard to things like obeying the gospel. As Paul talked to Felix, Felix would say in Acts chapter 24, Paul, go away. I'm going to call for you again in a more convenient time. God, I'm going to serve you in a more convenient time. According to my standards. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Paul emphasizes now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. You need to make a choice about your soul's salvation today. You need to do what's honoring you to God today. You need to not wait for tomorrow. Today is the day of reckoning. Now is the acceptable time. What about Christians, again, who are not going to make their family's priorities what they ought to be? 
It makes a difference. You know why? Because we say tomorrow, 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 or next time, next time, next time, next time. And you know what we get whenever we get do that with our families? There's a time when it's not going to be like it is now. There's a time when those little children that we love so much and wish they would stay in bed after you put them in bed the first time, there's going to come a time when they're going to leave the house. There's going to become a time when they're making their own choices about whether or not to serve God. We have such a precious little time, and I know the Graber Road here is blessed with wonderful families and wonderful young people and wonderful parents. But understand that it's not all about academics. It's not all about sports. It's not all about getting into a good college. It is all about serving Jesus. And you know what's going to happen is the rest of those things, when we get that right, are going to fall into place exactly where they need to be. There's urgency in that choice. Understand, our family's commitment to serve God is based on the knowledge of God's blessings. Here is the result of faith. Look at the verse again, verse 15. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether you will serve the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. It's remarkable to me that when you see those inspirational wall hangings, like what I just described a little while ago, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't have usually the rest of this verse, where it talks about the Amorites or the gods on the other side of the river, or the gods in whose land you dwell. But you know what? That's an essential part of the context because here are these people who've been engaged in this military campaign for the last six years. They've been engaged in warfare. They've been victorious every time they acted on faith and obedience from Jericho to Ai to Hetzor to other cities that they, that they were now dwelling in. They had already divided the land. They're ready to go home and kick back, enjoy the time that they've had in their houses, the ones they didn't build. Consider the blessing. Now they have this land, this property, this inheritance. And Joshua is saying, all right, guys, who are we going to serve? What's the choice going to be? Consider where you are. Are you really going to serve the gods in whose land you now dwell? Were those gods able to deliver them? Nope. Were those gods able to deliver whenever those people called upon them as uh, Israel was marching around the city of Jericho? Were those gods able to say... It was a true and living God that by faith the walls of Jericho fell, Hebrews chapter 11. Are you really going to spend time serving something that's not able to deliver you? Who's the obvious answer? The obvious answer is we're going to spend time or we're going to make the choice to serve God. Consider where you are. They knew the obvious answer. They made the right choice on this occasion. It's important to think about. But it's also important to think about a generation later, you turn a page and you get into the book of Judges where there's now a group of people whose parents had made the right choice, but now they wake up and they don't know Joshua or what he had done for Israel. And they choose something else. They begin to serve those gods. There's an understanding of the blessings of God. The older I get, the more I understand and the more I appreciate the fact that count your many blessings is a daily theme song of a Christian, or it ought to be. <laughs> more and more, it's a relevant song to sing because we like to get the gimmies. When I want something, and I want it bad enough, 
I'm going to start grumbling. I'm going to start complaining. I'm going to start uh, thinking uh, and being discontent. I'm going to start looking at my life and saying, man, if I only had this, I would be complete. Man, if I only had that job, I would be complete. Man, if I only had that car, man, if I only had that fishing boat, if I only had that, that would be my life's desire, and I'd be so excited to have it. And I know that I would be content. I know I would be happy. Our children get the gimme sometimes around Christmas time, right? They know the toy. They've been agonizing over the toy, and then they get the toy, and they play with it for a while, and what happens? toy gets old. Something else comes along. We spend time as families looking after the next greatest, the next best, the next greatest, the next best. And don't you know, Apple keeps giving it to us. And we keep falling for it every time. This is the phone to end all phones until the next phone. That's the picture of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He should be like a tree planted by rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in the season, whose leaf doesn't wither, and all he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. They're an empty husk, an empty shell that I could just blow off my hand. And wherever it is that the air conditioner is going to blow it in this building, that's where it's going to go. And that's the way our families exist sometimes, Christians. That's the way we behave sometimes because we don't think about God's blessings in our life. We don't think about the fact that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We don't trust in him like we ought to. We don't chase after the things that God's pleased with like we ought to. But if it was, we spent more time saying, when upon life's billows you were tempest-tossed. When you're discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Contentment in Christ. Contentment in God means we trust in Him, and we trust in Him alone. Understand this. Our family's commitment to serve God is led by mom and dad. The leadership. Joshua voiced this decision as a spiritual leader of his household. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house. I've got to be honest with you, I'm not completely comfortable with this point. Because I wanted to put in their parents. But you know what? It is primarily in the Bible, the spiritual leader of the home, that is the father. Let me drop this caveat off. I understand that there, in today's age, are some single parent households. There are some dads that... If they had otherwise, they would have their wife right by, beside her. The husbands that would have wives right beside them. I understand that there are some moms that are having to raise children by herself. And I want you to understand that that is not God's ideal. And I want you to understand that my heart goes out to you, and I want to be a good encouragement to you wherever I can. But I also understand that if you want your household to be built upon the foundation that is Christ Jesus, you commit as that single parent to following Christ fully. You make sure that you and your children never miss a service. You make sure that you and your children are there spiritually involved and causing them to grow and having family devotional time where you're sitting down and you're opening the Bible and you're talking about those things because that's what we're committed to do, whether it is that we have somebody beside us or not. But dads, if I could speak to you for a moment, this is your primary responsibility as spiritual direction. 
I say dads and moms together because if dad's on board and he says, this is it, we're going to make this choice, we're going to serve this, and mom's kind of behind the scenes doing things that are antagonistic to that choice, you're going to have a divided house. Jesus would say a house divided against itself is going to fall, right? But it is dad setting the choice and setting the direction and saying this is what we're going to value as a family. This is where we're going to be. And it doesn't matter. I know vacation time is right around the corner. But if our family is going to go on vacation, it's going to cross over a Sunday or Wednesday, sitting down with an open map and talking to the kids and saying, all right, kids, here's what we got to do. We've planned all these other aspects. We're going to Disneyland, right, or Disney World, and we've got to know where we're going to stay. We know what we're going to do on day one, day two, day three, day four. We know exactly the restaurants we're going to eat that we like, and we're going to plan everything down to the minute detail. But when it comes time for Sunday to roll around, huh, I guess we got to find somewhere to worship this morning. Well, I guess, you know, nobody counts Bible class anyway, so we could just, uh, uh, we can sleep through Bible class because, you know, we're really tired after, you know, riding all the rides at Disney. And so why don't we, I'll tell you what, we'll go for the Lord's Supper and then we'll, we'll just leave right after. When you're planning, dads, again, practical wisdom, sit down with a map. Make time after supper one evening and sit down with that map and say, all right, well, we need to look here on the internet. We need to find a sound, faithful congregation to worship with on Sunday. Why? Because even though we're on vacation, folks, we're not on vacation from the Lord. We're going to make this choice, and we're going to do what honors and pleases God. Why? Because, folks, if we as a family aim at nothing, we're sure to hit it. If we fail to choose, we've made a choice. It's made by mom and dad. And you know what? When we do things God's way, when dad makes the choice and says, you know what, we're going to be a family that honors and cares for our commitment to God, and mom's on board, and our kids are going to know that our house is one where we serve the Lord, where God's word is taught, and he's spoken of often, and he is honored. You know how easy in a lot of respects that makes things? Because when we talk about discipline, and when we talk about things like uh, uh, um, uh, work and service, and if you get a child that talks back to you, you know what, I love you too much to let you talk to me that way. That's not a value that our family has. I'm so sorry that you chose that. There's going to be consequences for that. When you have mom and dad working in tandem together, as God would intend it, on the same page, joined together as a God-fearing family, you know what? That's not befitting a family that serves the Lord for you to backtalk me like that. And we reward things and we encourage things like selfless love. I'm so glad you shared that with your brother or with your sister. You're going to be a servant just like Jesus. I appreciate that about you. I love the fact the way that you always get up and you refill people's glasses at the table. I love that about you because you've got a, a servant's heart. There's emphasis, but there's also leadership. We make that choice, moms and dads. We make that choice encouraging those things. Grandmas and grandpas don't want to leave you guys out. That's what God already expects. As dads are encouraged in Ephesians chapter 4, to train up a child in the way he shall go, to look at our children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our family's commitment to serve the Lord requires a parental commitment, a leadership commitment. And if it is that you're a grandma or grandpa and you're raising grandchildren, it applies. We're going to be a family that honors and pleases the Lord. Last one. Our family's commitment to serve God is a commitment that needs to be remembered. 
it occurs to me that the people make the right commitment on this occasion. You begin looking at verse 25. Joshua made a covenant with the people, excuse me, jumping down, and they, uh, they look in verse 16. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For our God, our Father, is he who brought us out of the land, and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great sights in our sight, and preserved us in all the way we went and in all the way we passed through. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. The people, again, affirm later on in the context and say, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what's right. But again, as I mentioned, flip over just a page to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, same one that a page ago was delivering this farewell address and the people were making us a covenant. The Lord, he is our God. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. They buried him within the borders of his inheritance of Timnah and Harry's in the Mount of uh, Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gosh. And when all that generation had been gathered to their father, another generation arose after them, which did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Brothers and sisters, there's a commitment that needs to be remembered. As Peter wrote 2 Peter, just in the first chapter, you find the word remember and remembrance. Peter says, listen, I'm going to go pretty quickly talking about his death. And he said, I want to talk to you about these things so it is that I can stir your minds up by remembrance so that after I'm gone, you can keep in your mind, you can remember what it is that you have committed to. And so he goes through that list there in chapter 1, verse 5, talking about the things that Christians ought to keep in their mind. Why is it that we observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday? You ever thought about that? And on most communion tables, they've got on the front, this do in remembrance of me. Why did the Lord want the Lord's Supper, a remembrance, a memorial to be done every Sunday, not two times a year, not quarterly, but every single Sunday as the disciples gathered together to break bread, they did so in remembrance, Acts 20 and verse 7. Why did God want that? You know why? Because I'm forgetful. You know why? Because you're forgetful. And if every Sunday we come together and we celebrate the death of the Lord, we proclaim his death until he comes, he, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. We look at his life and his death, and we say, those nails should have been in my hands. That spear should have been in my side. And I look at that, that gives me the remembrance that I live for him every single day. As families, this is not a commitment that we can make today and forget tomorrow. This is not a commitment that we can say, all right, we're going to do all the right things, and then just as soon as the busyness of life begins to settle in again tomorrow, we just immediately cast it by the wayside. Well, it was good in theory, but it's not really practical. There are changes that need to be made in our lives in order to be the people God wants us to be. And so it is with our Christian life, with capacity for forgetfulness, we remember and we spend time in worship together as a Christian family on Sunday and Wednesday, but also as a personal family on Monday through Saturday. There's time where we spend time in prayer. Why? Because we need to remember God is the fountain whence 10,000 blessings flow. There's times we need to remember in song and, and lead our children and lead our wife and our, our, our husband to prayer and just say, listen, I'm so glad you got that promotion. Would, would, honey, would you say a prayer 
of thanks because I'm going to do the same. Let's say Junior comes home and he's just he's defeated. He's been he's not been picked by the basketball team. So I know you're disappointed. I'm so sorry. You know what? It's going to be all right. Tell you what, let's let's pray together about this. Will you tell me what your disappointments are, and I'll 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 pray with you, so I know what it is that we can pray about. You take those things before God. Why? Because, folks, we need to remember that with everything we do, we want to honor Him and we want to do what's right. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Get your songbooks, please. Open up the song of invitation. It's said that former President Ronald Reagan once had an aunt who took him to a cobbler for a new pair of shoes. And the cobbler asked young Ronald Reagan, he said, do you want your shoes to have square toes or rounded toes? Unable to decide, Reagan didn't answer. So the cobbler gave him a few days, and several days later, the cobbler saw him again and said, okay, you got to tell me, what kind of shoes do you want? Do you want round toe? Do you want square-toed shoes? Reagan still couldn't decide, so the shoemaker said, well, just come by in a couple of days, and they'll be ready. Reagan came by a couple of days later, and the cobbler put on the table his new pair of shoes with one rounded toe and one square toe. To not choose is to make a choice. We ask the question now at this time, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? I'm asking personally. We've asked that question with regard to our families, and I hope it is that after a lesson like this and from studying the wonderful chapter Joshua 24, verse 15, that you know what to do with Jesus with regard to your family. Brothers and sisters, let me say this before I offer the invitation. If it is that your family has been drifting aimlessly along, if it is that you have never once talked about the goal and the responsibility that you know as a family that you have, and you've been letting your children just think that it's okay if we just go to church and doesn't necessarily make a difference in your life, mom and dad, sometime today, sit down with each other, pray together. Husband, you lead that prayer. You ask for God's forgiveness, and you say, these things are going to be different. Then sometime today, you gather together with your children and say, Children, listen, we need to make some changes. Mom and dad haven't been living the way that we ought to. We need to make a goal for this family because we've been drifting aimlessly along. We don't want to do that anymore. We want to emphasize our current and our ongoing commitment to the Lord. He's been so good to us. We're now dwelling here as a blessed people, and we're going to continue to honor him with everything we do. Will you help us with that? But what will you do with Jesus personally? If you have never obeyed the gospel, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now is an opportunity that may never come again. The fact that we've got time now that I can issue this invitation is evidence of God's long-suffering. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, God's not willing that you should perish, that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to make changes in your life. Through faith, through repentance, and baptism, you can be his child this morning. And we want you to be more than anything else. If we can study with you, if we can pray with you, if we can encourage you, we want you to do so as we stand and sing our invitation song.